Welcome, guys. Hi. <laughs> Howdy. Hey, guys. Hey. Welcome to episode three of The 13th Floor, starring me, Cece. Me, Alex. And me, James. So, you stuck around for episode three and three. It's going to get real fun. Today, we are talking about the Sasquatch, the Wendigo, and the Yeti. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. All these fake things. All three fake things. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Don't jump the gun, okay? All of our listeners get to decide whether or not they think that the Sasquatch is real. All right? Mm, we'll see. Don't make decisions for other people. How have you guys been since we last spoke? Good. Yeah? Right. James, what have you been up to? I was just telling Alex, uh, my isopod pulled a Jesus today. <laughs> <laughs> what? One of my roly-polies, the only one with a name, he died last night, and uh, he got swarmed by the others. They were eating his body, and now he's fine. <laughs> I'm kind of freaked out. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Well, it sounds so you've you've been uh, up to some fun things at your house. Yeah, it's been a paranormal day, to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. That's amazing. I don't think we can top that, so we might as well just hop right into it. Alex is going to talk about the Sasquatch first. So, Alex, tell us. Tell us about the Sasquatch. All right, so I had Sasquatch slash Bigfoot. You may be asking yourselves, what's the difference between a Sasquatch and a Bigfoot? Yeah. The truth is nothing. <laughs> so they're both the same they're thing. They're literally the exact same. The only difference is the origin of where the, their names came from. So Sasquatch is a term from a, I want to butcher this so bad, derived from a hokumelum dialectal word meaning wild man. And you pronounce it Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> how did you learn how to pronounce it? I'm going to pretend like this is maybe the phonetic spelling. Oh, okay. But, you know, I'm just I'm just going off of what I read. Where did yeah. you read that? A website. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, go on. So, it was used by them to describe a wild man, and it, essentially it's the same thing as a Bigfoot. It's a big man covered in hair, and he kind of just shows up and disappears. And the, the word was used by Coast Salish Peoples. So apparently these are some people that in inhabited parts of Vancouver Island up in uh, British Columbia. And apparently this area has had more Bigfoot sight or sorry, Sasquatch sightings than any other place in the world, which I had no idea. In but, Canada? Yeah, mm. in Canada. Vancouver Island, British Columbia, to be exact. Interesting. And so then I also, I was curious, you know, what, what was the origin of the Bigfoot? So Sasquatch has been something that's been around for Apparently a couple, well, we're going to say thousands of years, but as, back, as far back as I guess an oral history would allow us to look back. But Bigfoot didn't even come around until 1958, which I had no idea it was that recent of a term. It was, it was coined by uh, Gerald Crew, and so he's this local guy in California, and he came up with it when he found huge footprints near a bulldozer. And so, you know. Good old Gerald. Well, what other thing to call this thing than Bigfoot? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> clearly, no offense, Gerald, if you're still alive, but you weren't the most creative individual. <laughs> hey, the fact that that name has stuck around since he created it, kind of... You're right. I, yeah. I, you're right, and I'm wrong. That's absolutely true. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. You know, I, I can't say that I would create something that the world over would recognize. Yeah. Bigfoot. 
Yeah. Hmm. So don't don't hate on Gerald. He's a visionary. And yeah. I, you know, I'm so short-sighted. Even 60 years later, I still can't pick up on why it's such a good name. <laughs> um, so uh, I was also looking into what Bigfoot field researchers are called. Oh, Anyone God, want to take a guess? That is. Uh, <laughs> macro podiatrists. <laughs> I have oh, no what? idea. All right. The, the, these people are just as creative as old Gerald. Bigfooters. Oh, of course. Ooh, okay. I'll, I'll give them the lazy. The, I'll name them lazy. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like a fetish rather than a. <laughs> you know what? It does. <laughs> it does. It does. I'm a bigfooter, ladies. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I had no, I had no idea that this concept was in general so old, and that the concept of Bigfoot, or I guess the name of Bigfoot, was so young. The bulk of my research was based around, you know, why have we not been able to find this guy, this character. Or, I guess, uh, creature. creature, sorry. Creature. I don't want to offend any big feet out there. How does someone that appears in the corner of so many cameras elude everybody so much? There's a lot of theories out there. And I, I went to... <laughs> I went to several websites, but primarily I got a lot of my, I guess, a lot of consensus were compounded on io9. And so they had a pretty good list of things I had heard and not heard. Hmm. And so my favorite one is that Bigfoot is the missing link. That's uh, one we've all heard for before, I think. That's yeah. that's one of the older ones. It's, it's this long lost species of hominid. The problem with the theory is that no one can even find a trail from Bigfoot. And everyone that does it, they go back and it's gone. You know, something like that. Uh, And there's no scat. There's no, like, half-eaten carcass ever found. Yeah. There's no proof of these things. And if there's this many all around the world, well, it's mostly North America. But if there's this many in North America, how is it that they're able to keep reproducing and their population be big enough to keep going but us not be able to find them? That kind of ruins that. Now, the other problem, this kind of goes back to the word Sasquatch, uh, Native American origins and all that. And the explanation of his powers with them is that he has magic, hypnosis, powers. And so he just pretty much walks up to you, convinces you that he's not there, and he disappears. Is he friendly? (laughs) We'll get to that. Oh, okay. (laughs) We'll get to that. Most theories say that he's... I mean, he's he's not mean, because how many Bigfoot attacks have you come across? That's a good point. You know, but he isn't someone that wants to be found either, so some people are a little suspicious of that. Well, one of my favorite theories, which I had no idea that this was one, Bigfoot is an alien. <gasps> or at least a subservient of him. So, apparently, some lights show up from overhead, and just before Bigfoot shows up, I like to imagine his big hairy ass flies in and jumps out of his ship just long enough for you to snap a blurry photo of him as he hops back in his spaceship and flies away. But one man's account made it sound like the ape was sort of a servant to them. So like instead of the ape being the alien, some aliens landed and Bigfoot walks over and kneels. As like he's a servant to them. <laughs> so when you say weird. ape, you mean Bigfoot. Yeah, when I say ape, I mean Bigfoot. I keep saying ape. It's Bigfoot. The reason I keep saying ape is because there's this very famous video of Bigfoot I think everybody's seen. And it just looks like King Kong. It just <laughs> looks like a King Kong costume. And I can't get the fact that it looks like King Kong out of my head. 
You're a big King Kong fan. I do like King Kong. Another one is, and this is one that I had heard the last couple of years, the trans-dimensional Bigfoot. So there's a theory that Bigfoot always knows when someone's looking at him, which is why he always disappears. So the theory is that Bigfoot could warp from our dimension to another one at will, meaning it's very hard to catch him. But the thing that's accompanied by his, I guess, trans-dimensional warping is a flash of light imagine like a camera flash Mm -hmm. and then he's gone and so a man named john cotton a president of a canadian society of questers he referred to bigfoot as a hairy angel (laughs) (laughs) Angel. (laughs) yeah yeah i like Uh, that a hairy angel that comes to impart wisdom to shamans Hmm. i like that theory yeah i i like it (laughs) it's my favorite so far yeah all right so my favorite part is that he believes that bigfoots big feats big big feats is big feats (laughs) whatever we want to call we'll call them big feats whatever apparently he believes and this gets back to whether those are evil or not he believes that big feats (laughs) i know it's bigfoot like kind of like a deer wouldn't it just be big feet because feet implies two i would think it'd be like big foot but yeah whatever (laughs) <laughs> See, I think it's like deer, where you know, there's one deer, ah. or you know, and you just you just always say deer. Yeah. But Big Feats is way better and more humorous to me. So Big Feats it is. So he believes <laughs> that Big Feats are color coded. Color coded. Yeah. So much like Autobots and Decepticons, you can tell whether they're evil or good by looking at their eyes. So the evil ones have red eyes, and then. The typical, what, what was it called, James? We talked about it on the Lizard podcast with the eyes in the dark. Oh, uh, them, uh, lucidum, glowing eyes. Yeah, so and then the good ones have normal tapita lucidum. I, I would imagine like that typical green uh, type of color. Like a husky kind of. Yeah, color. so, gotcha. I, you know, I think it's pretty great that Big Feats took a page out of transformers book right make it easy for us so we could look at them in the wild and know oh i should run or maybe we should go party i don't know <laughs> i should run <laughs> oh. and then the the last theory and this is this is my favorite because this person would have to be the most unfortunate person in the world when people have looked at the infamous bigfoot video a lot of people where he looks like a king kong a lot of people think that so gorillas have kind of like a crest on their head oh, like yeah. our dog louise yeah <laughs> louise has a knob or a crest whatever you want to call it but gorillas have that crest and so this man woman or sasquatch has a crest but some people who have looked at the video have determined that it's not actually a crest it's a bun <laughs> <laughs> like a man bun like a like a, a beehive. Oh, wow. Like a beehive. Yeah, the old beehive hairdo. So people think that Bigfoot has a beehive. And this leads them to believe that Bigfoot is a woman. But not only is it a woman, it's not like a female Bigfoot. It's an actual woman with several different diseases. I can kind of see that. She has the disease of Hypertrichosis, which I believe is also known as uh, werewolf syndrome. Right. That's where what I was you grow hair. Yeah. No joke. Yeah, you grow hair all over your body. And then th- they also think that she also suffers from gigantism and wow. another bone disorder. 
I mean, this woman hit the genetic lottery right? in terms of <laughs> like rare deformities that cause you to look literally like King Kong. Yeah. I mean, bless her heart. If that's true, good lord, I pray yeah. for that woman. Yeah. So the theory is that maybe she was abandoned by her family and she went to go live out on her own in the woods. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, <laughs> it's sad, but it's also not true. I'm so that's like that's like third grade <laughs> religion stuff. Well, yeah that that's the uh, that's the thinking of the origin of <laughs> the Sasquatch slash Bigfoot. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah, so you know, and, and a lot of a lot of research and stuff is saying that it's not possible for them to be out in the wild because the amount of food that they require, the amount of, and this is assuming that they're not transdimensional beings right. or aliens, <laughs> or that there's just one of them with a with a bun. So a lot of them think that the population would have to be well over 500 for them to keep reproducing and stuff like that. So at that point, it'd be very difficult for them to conceal their existence when they have people actively looking for them. And so much of, I guess the North American uh, land has been explored. There's not really a reason why we wouldn't be able to find them already. Yeah. I remember when I was working at a news station in Lexington, Kentucky, there was some guy who reportedly spotted a Bigfoot and it caused a huge frenzy. But I remember just thinking, if he's in Kentucky, someone would have seen him. Because Kentucky, like, yeah, there's a lot of wilderness, but most people, you know. To be fair, Kentuckians tend to mind their own business. So just be like, well, he's a Bigfoot. Leave him alone. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing your information about the Sasquatch slash Bigfeet. No, <laughs> big feet. Bag, yeah, big feet. No problem. No problem. So who's next? James is next. James, you're talking about Wendigo, right? Yep, that's oh, right. Wendigo are and, so cool. Uh, they are. Well, you know, it depends on the how you're looking at them. That's the thing. Is <laughs> uh, I was really surprised, Alex, about the the Bigfoot because I associate that with California, and to find that like the vast majority of sightings are in. Uh, sort of the Canadian area, well, there's there's a tremendous overlap there because the, the Wendigo is an expressly Canadian sort of uh, phenomenon. I mean, you could oh. sort of throw like northern Michigan in there, but it's really like uh, there's a language tree, uh, the Cree, Algonquin, Ojibwe language tree. In that general area, those three linguistic tribe groups, that's where you get the Wendigo. And it's almost exclusively relegated to Canada. And it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. I mean, we're, we're sort of doing cryptids that are ape-like, and this definitely qualifies, but it, it's got a lot of parallels with werewolves and uh, berserkers and things like that in, in you know more European terms. And, and another thing that surprised me is general description. Like, when you think of a Wendigo, Alex, what do you think of? I think of, like, the Hulk. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> he's, a, that, that, he's a big Hulk villain, for those that don't know. Right. Um, yeah. But I, I think of, like, a, a big, white, ape-like monster that eats people. Exactly. And that's the pop culture Wendigo. And that falls in more with what Cece's going to be talking about later. But the real Wendigo, what I've researched, it has more in common, oddly enough, with my grandpa used to tell this story to my mom and my aunts and uncles about this demonic creature called Red Eye and Bloody Bones, which was just a bastardization of Rawhead and Bloody Bones, which is an Anglo-Saxon monster, which I guess they just brought with them when they moved to America. But uh, 
this is a, a description of how they normally think of the Wendigo in, in the Canadian area. Very different from Marvel Comics. It's uh, a emaciated human form, bones pushing out, uh, gray complexion like a, a mummy sort of, sunken eyes, uh, like, like a skeletal figure, bloody lips, just repulsive, smells like cadaverine, which in case you don't know, that's what corpses smell like. Uh, just, you know, more like, I keep thinking of uh, the dead hand from Ocarina of Time, <laughs> the, the big, scary, emaciated looking thing that freezes Link, you know, that's more in, in tandem with how he was portrayed. And I, I really shouldn't even use the word he, because Wendigo is more like a curse than a cryptid in that sense. Uh, anybody can become a Wendigo, technically. It's, it's very easy. Uh, in fact, this is the whole point behind Wendigo. In, in every culture, except for the very few subtropical cultures where cannibalism is like, okay, pretty much always cannibalism is bad. It's taboo. It's not something you do. Well, for the Cree, who, you know, you think up north, famine's going to be a little bit more common than in the more temperate zones. You know, you have a bad winter, you're going to start looking over at your neighbor a little bit more desperation than, say, you would in Kansas or something. And so it was a severe taboo. And so they would have these dances, you know, to try and reinforce, like, do not, no matter how hungry you get, do not consume human flesh. Well, if you do, you end up turning into a Wendigo. So it's, it's, there's, there's some parallels. You can see that with werewolves and berserkers and vampires and things like that. It's, it's a curse wherein you become this immortal cannibalistic spirit monster. Now, do Wendigos, do they have similar traits to uh, like werewolves and vampires where they bite somebody else and they turn into one? Uh, in, in pop culture, there's a few cases of that. But in this instance, no. The only way to become a Wendigo is to submit to the taboo of cannibalism. And uh, there are some really, you know, it's funny. Bigfoot, I think we're all kind of on the page that it's unlikely. Well, Wendigo is 100% real as, in terms of being a psychosis. Whether it's an actual transformation, that's a little bit more subjective. But we do know that there are instances of Wendigo psychoses. Uh, probably the, the most messed up example would be Jack Fiddler, which, what a creepy name in and of itself. Jack Fiddler uh, was a medicine man, and he was known for, for treating people with uh, Wendigo psychosis. You know, people would say, you know, I ate human flesh, now I think I'm a Wendigo. And they would, you know, attack people and try to eat them. And that's something you'll see. You go to any mental asylum anywhere in the world today, there's somebody who tries to eat people. There's somebody who, if you let them out, they'll jump on you and try and rip your jugular out. Well, up north, you're cursed by Wendigo. That's the, the explanation for it. Hmm. Well, this guy, that's what he did. He killed Wendigos. He was like a Wendigo hunter. Turns out in uh, modern 1907, the Canadian government wasn't cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> so they arrested Jack for murder because him and his brother were out killing Wendigos, and Wendigos are people. So uh, here's what's nuts, though. They actually pardoned him. The the government did, but he killed himself three days before he got news of the pardon, so that kind of sucks. <laughs> so Jack Fiddler was kind of like Van Helsing for Wendigo. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking of. I was just imagining like an Eskimo-looking dude with a crossbow. Just wearing a um, big big parka lined with fur except for he right. meets his end like uh the end of the mist where he <laughs> oh god that <laughs> yeah, movie he, he oh. ends it a little he gets a little hasty in his uh 
execution. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, this, this the the whole Algonquin cases of, of Wendigo psychosis. The the logic behind it is you have a rough winter, you end up succumbing to cannibalism, and generally speaking, it was so common before. I guess you could say modern Canadian culture seeped into it that it was it was not the least bit uncommon for people who were nuts to think they were Wendigos. If you were crazy in pre-Canada Canada, I don't know what the proper term for that would be, like original peoples, indigenous peoples Canada, if you were out of your mind, you were probably afflicted with that kind of delusion because, you know, the culture would reflect that. Kind of like, you know, nobody was walking around homeless saying they were Jesus until Jesus. You get how that yeah. works? Uh, similarly, similarly, through the eyes of their culture, Wendigo psychosis was common. I mean, there was one instance, can't think of the fellow's name, but he ate some members of his family during one of these famines. This really happened, by the way, um, because he, they were starving. I think that their youngest son was weak and frail and died, and they, they cannibalized him. Well, then the psychosis, or if, you, if you're a believer, the curse set in, and the patriarch of that family he just ate everybody after that. After they, they, he had his first taste of human flesh, he ate his whole flipping family. And it was a big family, too. So, yeah, it's, it's nothing to sneeze at. It, there is a very bloody history of this Wendigo curse. Lots and lots of people's lives have been claimed by, by this uh, cannibal taboo. So when somebody becomes a Wendigo... I know you say it's more of a curse, but you also yeah. mentioned a transformation. Do they look any different when they... That's, that's the thing. It's, it's very interesting because to the outside observer, in, the, in the, the context of the stories, they're supposed to change and you see the change and they look different. But, and this is, goes hand in hand with what I was talking about, about berserkers. You know, in, in Viking folklore, a berserker, that's somebody who wears like a bear shirt and in battle turns into a bear. Well, if you watch that person in real life, you're like, that guy's just crazy and he's wearing a bear shirt. He's on mushrooms <laughs> and he's killing people. Well, similarly, people with Wendigo psychosis, they look like just regular lunatics. But to them, like when they look in the mirror, they see an emaciated figure. So they kind of turn into, I don't know, will they turn into mummies kind of? In a way, sort of. I mean, they're, they're emaciated and they have ashy complexion, like a mummy. But it, I mean, it, there's no perfect analog in like right. Western folklore. It's it's something unique, and it's really a shame. You know, we were talking about the the Marvel perception and a whole bunch of other you know pop culture views. There are films about Wendigos and there are are books about Wendigos, but I don't think I've seen an instance of one where they actually portray them that way. And I don't know why, because that is scary. Yeah, that's that would terrifying. Be a terrific. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, but more more than anything, it, it clearly has its roots in discouraging desperate people from committing cannibalism, and you can see how it just kind of snowballed into something really scary that's got a pretty high body count over the past. And that's just with recorded, uh, you know, like Jesuits, priests and people like that meeting these tribes and writing stuff down. So over the past, I don't know, I'd say the, the whole legend itself has probably been around for like 17,000 years. Who knows how many people have been eaten by quote unquote Wendigos. <laughs> I had no clue. Yeah. So scary stuff. That being said, the aesthetics 
it mirrors really more like what you're going to talk about. So I'll let you go ahead with with the, the Yetis. I'm going to be completely honest. While I was researching the Yeti, I just got really overwhelmed because there is a lot of information online from a lot of not-so-reliable sources about the yet, so-called Yeti, um, like little blog posts with no citations. And I saw some really random videos of quote-unquote Yeti sightings. You don't need facts. You can be like me where I just found something on a website. On io9? <laughs> <laughs> well, take this for instance. When you search photos of the Yeti on Google, the top search result is Yeti stock photos from Getty Images. <laughs> so, Oh, that's right. It's a very marketable word. Yes, it's very marketable. I ended up getting most of my research from Wikipedia and various articles from National Geographic. As I did my research to make it a little bit more real for myself, kind of get into the mind and psyche of the Yeti or the abominable snowman, as most people call him here in the United States, I drew a little picture of a, of a Yeti family. And I know you can't see it, James. I know you can't see a viewers, but I'll post a picture <laughs> on our Instagram, 13th Floor Podcast. But I drew a picture of a little Yeti family, and there's Caldwell, the father, June, the mom, and little baby turnip. Oh, wow. <laughs> so That's adorable. I kind of want to watch a cartoon <laughs> like that now. But their last name, I decided, is Tapa, because that, according to Wikipedia, is one of the most common surnames in Nepal, which is where my little Yeti, Yeti family lives. Mm. Okay, so Yeti is a part of kind of East Asian folklore. He's said to inhabit the Himalayan and Siberian regions of East Asia. He lives on the mountains hmm. where it's snowy and nice and cool. But the Yeti has many nicknames. Abominable Snowman, as I said, being the most common here in the States. But back in East Asia, he's also referred to by different cultures. And I know I'm going to say these wrong. I tried to look up how to pronounce them, but... There, there wasn't much information out there on this. So by some cultures, he referred, he's referred to as Miche, which roughly translates to man bear. Man bear pig. Man bear pig. <laughs> he's called the Migoy, meaning wild man. Boon Manchi, meaning jungle man. And Kong Admi, or snowman. So we both have a wild man. Yeah, we both have a wild man. Ah, that's cool. Which I think that the Yeti <clears throat> is essentially just Bigfoot. In the snow. In the snow. Okay. That's what I, yeah, that's what I kind of I gathered. And I tried to figure out what color his fur was or hair. Would it be hair or fur? I always assumed his fur was white. That's what I pictured too. And that's how my little, my little uh, Yeti family was drawn. But some, some of first. <laughs> they were drawn with one color for everybody. Yeah. That I, had to can't see it. It's all drawn <laughs> with a, with a pale green <laughs> marker. So how she drew them white and <laughs> Over brown is beyond me. (laughs) They're white, okay. But some people who claim to have seen the Yeti say that he was dark against the snow. So, I don't know. But stories of the Yeti have been around for centuries. According to National Geographic, Alexander the Great even demanded to see one when he was wreaking havoc in the Indus Valley way back in... 326 BC. Oh boy, was he disappointed. Yeah, he was very disappointed because the locals told him he couldn't see one because they can't live at such low altitudes. Uh, so sorry, Alexander the Great. Yeah, get your climbing climbing gear on. Yeah, yeah, get your put on your snow boots. Between that and dying of malaria, now I feel bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> but mostly it's the not seeing the Yeti thing. Yeah, mostly not seeing the Yeti. Exactly. So as we know, Yeti's been a part of East Asian folklore for a very long time. 
But the Yeti craze kind of spun out of control during the 20th century when Westerners began traveling to the area and trying to scale the many mountains that are all over the place. Uh. Some of these explorers reportedly catching a glimpse of the famed creature. According to Wikipedia, a Greek photographer who was on an expedition, his name is N.A. Tombazi, said to have spotted a Yeti near the Zimu Glacier, and he wrote about it saying, quote, unquestionably, the figure in outline was exactly like a human being walking upright and stopping occasionally to pull at some dwarf rhododendron bushes. It showed up dark against the snow, and as far as I could make out, wore no clothes. He mentioned huh. he mentioned this sighting in a book that he wrote, but uh, I think that even he was a skeptic. I was kind of pissed off at Wikipedia because they wrote about his encounter with the Yeti on the Yeti page. But then when you click on Tombazi's actual page, it says that he was skeptical of what he had seen and that he, he just kind of thought that it was a, a hermit. So I guess that <laughs> I it's either an old man with a cloth draped over him or a Yeti. It could be either one. Well, no, he said he said it wasn't wearing any clothes. So I guess he just saw a naked hermit on the mountainside. A naked man and an ape do not look anything alike. I don't know about that, man. You, you know, these hermits they let themselves go. But anyways, I, I don't I don't know what to to think of Tom Bozzi's account. But Yeti interest really started to peak. Oh, and by the way, I drew my Yeti with no clothes. <laughs> because apparently they aren't wearing clothes. But so, yeah. Yeti interest really started to peak during the 1950s. But, when Hang on one second. You, you said for accuracy, no clothes. But I believe the smallest one is holding a lunchbox and the biggest <laughs> one is holding a suitcase. He's holding so a these aren't exactly... <laughs> He's holding accurate. a briefcase, thank okay. you very much. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought he, he, was, has... I thought he was leaving the family. I thought he was going out for a pack of smokes <laughs> and not coming back. Oh, no, he was working. And June actually is wearing earrings and a necklace because she stole them from... And a hair bow in her hair. Yeah, and a hair bow. Yeah, so maybe the clothes was the only thing accurate on this. <laughs> yeah, they're a civilized... Yeti family. All right. Thank sorry, you very I, I much. I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, before I was so rudely interrupted, Yeti interest really started peaking the 1950s when mountaineer Eric Shipton took lots of so-called Yeti footprint pics while attempting to climb Everest. So he and all of his little team found a whole bunch of little, I guess, no, not little, big footprints in the snow, and they couldn't explain what they belonged to. But you can look up these pictures online if you want just search for Eric Shipton Yeti photos. But in reality, footprints are really the best quote-unquote proof that people have of the Yeti's existence. Mm. It's just footprints in the snow. Some people reportedly found Yeti hair, some of which was tested, and I'll get to that in just a little while. One expedition turned up Yeti feces, so Yeti poops. You got more than Bigfoot ever had. Yeah, I couldn't find much information on what the feces tested, Tested out to be. Apparently, not many people want to discuss abominable, abominable snowman poops. Mm, government cover-up. <laughs> yeah, but at the end of the day, no one really has any firm physical evidence of the Yeti's existence. Okay. He's just kind of out there. He's just kind of a folklore legend. So, what is the Yeti really? According to science, Yeti is most likely... Are you ready for it? A bear. Ah. Yeah. Uh. yeah. Uh. I can see that. I read an article by National Geographic titled Yeti Legends Are Based on These Real Animals, DNA Says. It was written by John Pickrell. And he wrote about a scientist named Charlotte Lindquist, who, along with a team, analyzed some Yeti skin, hair, and two samples from various p- places 
Uh, they collected some from some collectors, some from museums, and even a monastery with a Yeti relic. There's a monastery. I can't remember where it's located, but there's they're said to have a Yeti scalp. Mm. So Lindquist and her team tested these samples, and uh, they found that the tooth was actually from a domestic dog, while the rest of the samples came from brown bears and the Asian black bear, mm. which are kind of, you know prevalent in these areas or were prevalent conservation y'all but anyways so while the yeti probably isn't real i did really like what uh evolutionary biologist ross barnett had to say on the matter he said quote you can't debunk a myth with anything as mundane as facts as long as the stories are told and retold and bears are glimpsed in other than ideal conditions or leave melting footprints in the snow there will be stories of yeti so, a lot of that would be true yeah, be just cool. about anything, but I like that. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. nice because even though Yeti, like, I don't personally believe in his existence, I like the idea that people people do. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's fun. I'll say one thing in defense of, of the Yeti believers. You know, in the 19th century and even before that, there was a legendary animal in China that really was like one of those things where a woodsman would go into a thicket and then he'd come back drunk and people would make fun of him like wow you you didn't see a monster you just had too much rice wine and stuff like that and then in the late 19th early 20th centuries they found it and it was called a panda and you know that was a cryptid pandas were cryptids i'm not even kidding panda bears were cryptids originally so i can see a yeti being some undiscovered ursine creature yeah i mean yeah pandas aren't ursine but you get yeah. that. that that's amazing i had no idea about that for me i kind of looked at the story of the Yeti because a lot of stories that I saw that were kind of written from the locals kind of said that if you see the Yeti, you aren't going to survive it. Like the Yeti's going to kill you. So the way that I kind of thought of the Yeti was that this legend has been perpetuated for centuries so that people are safer. They're more aware of their surroundings when they go out. Uh, They can kind of avoid dangerous animals and always travel with another person so they're never alone. Because for some reason, people, when they spot the Yeti, they're always by themselves. That's how all of these things happen. Yeah, exactly. So for me, it's just kind of a a tale to make the kids be safe. I remember growing up, my dad used to always tell me, uh, we lived on the street with a railroad track at the end of it. And my dad used to always say, if you go on those railroad tracks, you're going to get kidnapped by the the crazy man who lives up there. And so we never mm. went on the railroad tracks growing up because we thought, you know, there's a crazy guy up there. And it kind of kept us away from the trains and kept us alive. And eventually someone was murdered over there. Yeah, two people were murdered over there. <laughs> yeah. So, so oh, wow. he wasn't far off. Yeah, right? he wasn't. he wasn't far off. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, how many people were killed by... Mountain bears trying to go look for the Yeti. I don't maybe know. Maybe it was a Yeti. It could have been the Yeti. Yeah, yeah. Well, the way I think that the Yeti, the Yeti could possibly be a species that we don't even know about yet, like the panda. Yeah. And I also kind of think about like what are they called? Tribes that haven't yet been been reached by civilization. Oh, yeah. yeah. But then I think, uh, you know, there are people who live around these places. I feel like somebody would have proof. And they'd have to be Agreed. having babies. So a little turnip would have to be around. So there's got to be more than one of them. Yeah. Right. Or do they just live for a long time? Yeah, they could. They if could they're just an live alien. For, yeah, if they're an alien or an interdimensional <laughs> being. Yeah. Or angels. Yeah, hairy, <laughs> hairy angel. angels. <laughs> so. Love that. That's, that's just so good. 
a little bit of information about the Yeti. He really does sound a lot like Bigfoot. Yeah. But uh, Just in East Asia. Yeah. I read some pretty good stories about the Yeti, but they're all... Who like they're all totally made up. But does the person who who tells them believe it? Mm, that's true. I guess they could not be made up. You know, maybe I'm being too dismissive of a lot of these things. Yeah, a hundred years ago, you wouldn't have believed in pandas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's. I mean, that's the coolest thing of all of it is you know pandas were cryptids. Why not Bigfoot? Yeah, or the Yeti, Bigfoot's <laughs> cousin. Oh, so, James, Cece, are any of these things real? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that these are legends. I don't, I mean, I can't see how they're real. I need the proof. I could see, I, I could personally see the Wendigo psychosis portion being real. Right, yeah. Obviously, no one's going through a transformation eating people. Otherwise, there would be entire tribes that had turned this, <laughs> that have that had turned this color a long time ago and stay or not color, but turn, I guess it is a color because it's like a gray type color, right? Yeah, like like a gray skeleton. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, <clears throat> we would see entire tribes that looked like this. And so, you know, that's I pretty good. I don't think good. they reproduce. I think they're like immortal, but they don't reproduce. So it'd be like a vampire in that sense. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so... I'm not buying it, but I could see a psychosis coming on that could make them even see themselves that way if yeah. they, uh, you know, that, that's entirely plausible. I guess my only problem with it is that, like, how widespread would these Wendigos be? Because not everybody's, like, there are a lot of crazy people out there, but I don't think there are enough crazy people who just eat people. Yeah. Well, see, there's a solution to that, though, and that is the person we should all be thanking for not being overrun with Wendigos, Jack Fiddler. Jack Fiddler. <laughs> <Back to Matt. laughs> yeah. For me, uh, the, the Bigfoot, I'm going to say firm no. Wendigo psychosis is obviously yes, whether it's a curse or not, that's a little bit more iffy. But, but Yetis, I can totally see Yetis being something that's just not been seen yet because, I mean, only until recently have people – been going in droves to that that part of the world. It's hard to climb those mountains without modern gear. Yeah, it's, it's true. true, and it's for probably some of the most unexplored areas above yeah. sea level. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I think in terms of an actual being, Yeti is definitely the most likely of all of them. Agreed. Just yep. because we've explored Bigfoot, we've explored this. North America so much that I don't think he's here. Gotcha. That's the only reason. Yeah, I agree. Well, it, yeah, and if if the Yeti is real, I don't personally think that he's like an ape-like figure, hairy ape-like figure that's taller than the average human. You think he's just a naked hermit running around? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's a naked hermit running around with a blanket. No, I think that he's probably some type of animal, like the panda. Right. That'd be really cool. Agreed. Yeah, and there, I mean, there are a ton of animals that people thought were extinct that turned out to not be extinct. Yeah. yeah. In 50 years, they'll be in zoos and we'll have a, a film series called Kung Fu Yeti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be, uh, that's the cool thing about some of these topics is like, these are all things I would love for to be real, even though I genuinely don't think any of them are. Yeah, understood. But, you know, if they are, if they are, that'd be awesome. You guys, that's about all we got about the Sasquatch and the Wendigos and the Yetis. If you guys want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us. Our Instagram is 13th Floor Podcast, spelled one, the number one, the number three, 
TH Floor Podcast. Yeah, message us there. Uh, any constructive criticism, any sightings that you've had of your own, any topics you would like us to pursue, send them our way. We'd love to talk to you and do some research. Yeah, we'll pursue some topics that you're interested in. And stick around because uh, next time we're going to be covering the mysterious phenomenon known as time travel. Ooh, time travel. Time travel is going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. But. Thank you for listening. Our intro and outro music is Signal by Grant Cook. Take a look at him on SoundCloud. He's great. Well, he's on SoundCloud, but he's also recently moved to Amazon Music and YouTube. Yes. So So look for him. He's wonderful. But until next time, keep keep it it strange. No matter how hungry you get, do not consume human flesh. Mm-hmm.